This is What's In with Olaplex. I'm your host, Danielle Frank. Together, we break down all things beauty, health, and wellness and discuss not just what's out, but also what's in. Today, I'm joined by the renowned beauty writer and trends forecaster, Lisa Payne. We're going to talk about all things related to gut health and microbiome beauty. With over a decade of experience in trends, Lisa is currently the head of beauty at Stylus, a UK-based trends forecasting company. She has been following all the latest trends in gut health and microbiome beauty. From the rise of kombucha to microbiome skincare, I am so excited to hear her perspective on what's in and what's out. And if you want to stay on trend, follow us at What's In Podcast on social media and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for coming on the podcast, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. It's brilliant to be here. Well, I want to know, when did you first start hearing the buzz around gut health and microbiome beauty? Well, I was trying to actually work out exactly when Styler started talking about the microbiome and gut health in terms of like a beauty angle. And we started talking about it back in 2016. Obviously, gut health itself is like a health issue has been around for absolutely centuries in certain cultures. But I feel like in Western markets, it took a while to sort of start proliferating consumer intelligence, if you will. But I think that within the last 10 years, definitely, there's been such a bump in conversations around the microbiome. And we can't talk about health and well-being without talking about gut health. Um, But yeah, it was definitely in 2016 that we wrote our first report on the skin microbiome and probiotic products. Since then, the topic has definitely snowballed, definitely with the escalation in healthy living and trends towards well-being in general. It's interesting because I had not heard about any of it in the beauty industry. My first experience with it was my son getting sick. And I think he had to have antibiotics and it was really disrupting his digestive system. He got over, I think it was like an ear infection or something, but his digestive system was like a mess. And so I thought he was still sick and his doctor's like, no, he needs acidophilus, you know, because he did not have what he needed in his system, you know, the flora, and that it needed to be taken care of for his gut health. So that was my first experience. And in all honesty, I am really fascinated by the topic because I don't really know that much about it. Well, if you're a trend forecaster, you have to know everything about everything. So (laughs) it's been a bit of a journey over the last 10 years. (laughs) So why is everyone talking about gut health? I mean, what even is it? How does this affect beauty? Well, the gut microbiome is such a complex, wonderful thing. And I think that I've approached it from my own personal health journey over the last uh, few years, exploring how exactly we eat affects everything from our sleep to our mental health, to our skin, also our weight management as well. But I think that really it is just a conversation about what's inside your gut, what lives there and how we feed it. And feeding those things properly and correctly leads to just the most incredible health benefits. And ultimately, 
when our gut is happy and our microbes are eating healthily and they are producing healthy waste, which is postbiotics, um, this ultimately leads to just a flourishing of healthy biological systems that are reflected in our skin. I find it fascinating because when it comes to all of that kind of nutrition, like I don't know if you would call it nutrition or if it's something else, but I keep thinking that our bodies naturally make a lot of different things. So what I'm wondering is why is it now becoming more of a problem and why is it not naturally just taking care of itself? Oh, that is absolutely linked to our Western diets that are very heavily reliant on ultra-processed foods and processed foods in general. I think that the reason that we're hearing so much about gut health now is because in general, people have low gut health. My own personal journey with gut health really did stem from falling down a podcast rabbit hole about UPFs, ultra-processed foods, exactly what they are how dangerous they are, especially in a world that's so reliant on convenience culture. Everything is packaged and even ultra healthy foods are full of ingredients that don't naturally exist in a, in a human kitchen and are full of different elements that create emulsions and different textures and things like that, that as a society that we've become really enamored with. And it just means that we're filling our body with stuff that are biotics, our, our, our probiotics, our bacteria can't eat. And so if they're not eating, then they're dying. And if they're dying, then we are not having a complete forest, as it were, of healthy living things that need to coexist together to create ultimately the best health in terms of everything from sleep to digestion to mental health and to skin, body and hair. Let's dive into the whole skin part, because how is skin connected to it? And if there's beauty products that are being made with it, like I understand the digestion part, you know, what we eat is what we are, right? Yes. But when it comes to all the topical things that are going on, where is the connection there? Well, I think it's funny because everyone understands the concept of the gut microbiome now, but I, the reality is that there are local microbiomes everywhere on your body. So inside your gut, but you have a microbiome on your scalp, you have a microbiome on your face, you have an underarm microbiome, you have a microbiome in your intimate areas, you've got microbiome underneath your feet or on the soles of your feet. And, and this is the importance, I think, where the beauty industry is coming in and trying to look at the microbiome um, both as a whole and with the local lens. And that local lens means that your opportunity to create products that target that area has blown widely open. So I feel like skincare is definitely the category that has most benefited from the technology and the science and the conversation development around the microbiome and bacteria in general. And I think that that's often linked very specifically to the fact that a lot of people have acneic skin um, and acne in general can be linked to a dysbiosis or a dysfunction in the bacteria and the microbiome barrier of the skin. So these products usually have some kind of ingredient that is like promoting that healthy bacteria and whatnot. So what we see with, with skincare in general, or, or just products in general that are affecting the microbiome, they're really in generally dedicated to either balancing or boosting the microbiome. Um, now, this is quite controversial, really, because actually a lot of scientists are coming out and saying that there's not really anything that topical products can do to the microbiome. The only thing that they could do is potentially just not do anything at all to it. And then there's also a lot mm. of science that is coming out from, from brands and clinical trials that suggest that 
these products can do uh, something. And it, if they are suggesting that they're going to be able to do something to the microbiome, they will be relying on different types of ingredients. So prebiotics, for example, is essentially the food that feeds the probiotics and the bacteria that live on your skin. So imagine your skin is just uh, covered in thousands of billions of trillions of tiny little gremlins and your your prebiotics like inulin is essentially what is going to be feeding them. I'm just picturing gremlins on my skin right now. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till you imagine gremlins pooping on your skin because that's the best bit. <laughs> well, so do you take any supplements or like fermented foods that you're feeding your gut, you're feeding your body to like make sure that you're addressing that internally? Yeah. I mean, again, I'm I'm looking at so many different research papers as they come out, again, trying to work out ways to supplement my own lifestyle and health in a way that supports long-term longevity as well as aesthetic beauty. So one thing I use is a prebiotic. I was introduced to it a few years ago as like a press trial and I absolutely loved it. And I got my husband hooked on it and I got some of my colleagues hooked on it as well. And I've noticed a big difference. So what was the differences you were feeling? Sure. So I definitely saw better sleep, better digestion, just in general, a sort of more robustness or resilience against things that would normally make me either very bloated or uncomfortable or gassy or loose stools, things like that. So issues like that were definitely taken care of, but also generally healthy skin, good sleep, good mental health. I noticed a difference. And there has been a few times when my husband and I have stopped it because it isn't the cheapest thing on the market. Um, and we have noticed a, a sort of slide back, <laughs> as it were, in, in some of these different wow. areas. But uh, outside of that, we're definitely trying to supplement our diet nor, um, naturally with lots of kimchi, kefir, sauerkraut, and other things like that, that are naturally probiotic and prebiotic rich. I've tried kimchi. I couldn't do it. <laughs> you don't like it? Oh my goodness. I, I, actually, a friend gave it to me and maybe it was just the way it was given. I don't even remember. It was a while ago. I might need to try different ways of incorporating it in, but I was just like, I'm not feeling this. I've liked sauerkraut on a hot dog, <laughs> but I will say like kefir and apple cider vinegar. Yeah. Weirdly enough, I've always incorporated that in some way or another. I always did. Sure. I like it. Well, in Japan, they have this thing called natto, which is potentially the worst thing I've ever eaten in my entire life. And it's um, <laughs> fermented soybean that is fermented in such a way that the beans kind of stay whole, but the stuff that surrounds the bean is like snot. Oh. And it's really sticky. And the smell of it is just like... It's life-changing is what that smell is. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's it's loved by Japanese people and they eat it for breakfast and it's incredibly, incredibly good for you. I would absolutely recommend you trying that if you don't like kimchi. <laughs> Maybe I should try that. I want to talk about what's out with microbiome beauty. What are you seeing that people are doing that is really not healthy? Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that people are doing that isn't in line with the health of their microbiome. Having a healthy diet is is super important as a foundational to your aesthetic beauty. But in terms of what is out in microbiome beauty for, for topicals, this concept of this disrupted 
microbiome or dysbiosis is caused by a lot of common cosmetic ingredients such as alcohols, fragrances, preservatives like parabens and aldehydes, surfactants and essential oils. These are all really big no-nos and should be what's out in <laughs> in good uh, quality beauty products and skincare. And unfortunately, it's in most of the products that you buy. There was a really interesting study that was done a couple of years ago with indigenous cultures, different indigenous groups that didn't have access to sort of Western lifestyles and cleaning products and lived a very natural, holistic lifestyle. Their microbiomes were really, really, really robust and none of their children and none of their adults suffered any of the sort of common skin conditions that we in the West suffer today. So like rosacea or acne or any of those things. And it was attributed to the health of their microbiomes, which in the West, we don't have the the diversity of theirs because we are we're so reliant on preservatives and bacteria killing products. And, you know, we've, we've just come out of COVID where the entire premise was trying to kill all the bacteria. So I think that as a society, we need to relearn how to be dirty and to not, not wash <laughs> and clean so much. It's so funny you said that because I think about the fact that we were so isolated for so long. And then when we went out, everybody was catching colds. Everybody was getting fevers. Yeah. Like I was saying our immune system is down, but like really we all caught stuff as we go along and we build our immunity in order to deal with that. So it kind of makes sense what you're saying. If we're disinfecting, 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 we're kind of losing that opportunity to have the strength to be able to combat it. Exactly. I think there's a lot of conversations around baby care that is very supportive of the idea of parents not washing their children for a long time, um, for them to be naturally birthed so that they're collecting a lot of the bacteria on the way out of the mother's body. There's a lot of science to support the idea of soaps and cosmetic products made from breast milk, which are naturally full of the sort of prebiotic sugars that are really good for, for the microbiome. And even there's uh, kits for new mums to create at-home soaps from their own breast milk, which I think is quite cool. Whoa. I, I don't know if I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talk a lot on this program about TikTok because I might have an unhealthy obsession with it. I know that it can be like a hotbed of misinformation for sure. Sure. I think there's right now a lot of claims circulating around saying that like, if you eat this one food and you take this one supplement that your gut would be healed. Like, what are your thoughts on all of that? I think social media has given us so much and it has taken away so much uh, from us at the same time. Um, I actually have an amazing anecdote of just this exact issue that happened the other day. My sister texted me um, a screen grab of something that she'd seen on Instagram that was promising a total gut reset. And she was saying that she wasn't feeling well and that she was thinking that she was just going to buy this product because uh, she wanted just a quick solution. And did I think it was worth it? It didn't look like a brand I'd ever heard of. It didn't have any supporting trials. It was claiming a lot of very, very suspect things. And when I looked at the ingredients, not that there was anything wrong with them, but it was mostly collagen, which I'm not 100% sure how this is associated with a, a gut reset. And very, very, very far down on the ingredients list was a prebiotic formula based on inulin, which is fine, but it was so far down on the ingredient list, I just can't imagine that it would have been able to do anything. And also there's not necessarily any evidence out there that a prebiotic is going to give you a total gut reset as such. And I think that the, the unfortunate 
problem is that social media is all about the sexy issues, sexy solutions to unsexy problems. Just take this pill, just eat this. This is the one way to lose weight. This is the one way to boost your sex life. This is the one way to do X, Y, Z. And the reality is that nobody wants to say the truth because the truth is boring. The truth is just eat well and sleep and drink a lot of water. I think a lot of us have really mastered the one line hook to get yes. us all like, ooh, and it's like this easy thing, this, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, how would you know if somebody was an expert on that? Like, is it a nutritionist? Is it some kind of doctor? Like, who would you look for for those street creds? I have a lot of respect for cosmetic scientists, if we're talking about it from a beauty perspective, because they ultimately know the ins and outs of of, of how our body is reacting to the absorption of whatever it is that we're putting on or in it. Uh, I think the consumer feeling is that I put something on my skin, therefore it will do something. I eat something or I ingest something, it will do something. And the reality is that it costs brands so much money to do the clinical trials to even suggest that by taking the pill or the probiotic that they've marketed to you, that it even gets to your gut in a form that's bioavailable. So there's so many complexities and nuances that I've been looking at a cosmetic scientist to be able to help me navigate that space and that field. In terms of nutritionally, I think there's a lot of nutritionists on Instagram. <laughs> there's a lot of nutritionists on TikTok. I think you can buy a nutritionist degree or a certificate very quickly, very easily. So I think you're looking for someone who has the joint nutritionist with the doctor degree. That makes sense. I, I have to say the cosmetic scientists and chemists that I'm lucky enough to talk to, I geek out every time I talk to them. The stuff they say makes me really understand the thoughtfulness that goes into all of those pieces. Like, I don't understand half of it, but I get excited by their excitement for sure. <laughs> they know everything about everything and they are absolutely fascinating to talk to. And they ultimately make you understand more of what is possible and what isn't possible. And the what isn't possible is something that brands and big pharma are definitely trying to fight against very heavily. So between TikTok, um, armchair chemists, not necessarily chemists, we want to avoid those. Those are definitely out. But also it's that one size fits all. Like as you were explaining, like you can't necessarily get everything from one solution. It's more of a lifestyle change, if anything. Totally. One of the conversations that I was having with a cosmetic scientist about this very issue, he wasn't a particular fan of the concept of taking oral probiotics, live probiotics, because the idea that you could take a product, even if it had 5 billion beneficial bacteria in it, that would be like a drop in the ocean of what your actual microbiome is. And that drop in the ocean isn't realistically going to necessarily benefit you. And, and chances are it's going to cost you a lot of money. We're still at a stage when probiotic supplementation is still very costly and is quite cost prohibitive to a lot of people. And so ultimately we're at a point where it's still better to try to feed your own bacteria just through healthy eating. Again, it's not sexy. It's so much sexier to be able to market a probiotic product that can just tick all the boxes and, and help you do everything. I want easy, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> I want easy too. Nothing good comes easy. <laughs> oh, I know. Mm -hmm. 
Lisa, let's talk about what's in with gut health and microbiomes. What do you see coming down the pipeline? Okay, so one thing I'm seeing is the rise of probiotics and fermented ingredients in skincare products. And I think it's such an exciting area of innovation that it's sparking a real influx of independent brands that are coming to the market promising to be microbiome first. So their entire premise is on boosting or balancing the microbiome. What's really interesting, though, is some technology companies are now working with beauty brands to create and develop these microbiome skin at home kits. And so you can now take a a patch to your skin and send it off to the lab and they'll tell you exactly what's on your skin, what you're lacking, if you've got more of the beneficial bacteria or want more of the harmful bacteria that causes dysbiosis and acne and stuff like that. So I think that that tackles the one size fits all problem, giving you the ability to really identify exactly what you're lacking and what you need. And then I think the idea of brands being able to sort of then create a cocktail of something together just for you is really exciting. So When it comes to microbiome beauty, like products, are there ones that are like, oh, I would not live without this? Like, what is that one product that you sit there and go, "Mm, I can't live without that? Oh, it's a tricky one. I think I trial and test so many different products, especially when it comes to to new technologies and new ingredient formulations. I think the ones that I'm most impressed by are the ones that are providing an entire package, as it were. Just because I was talking about prebiotics earlier being the food that feeds the gremlins, the live bacteria being the gremlins that some of the skincare brands are supposedly providing your skin, and then postbiotics, which is the waste that the gremlins are creating, um, from eating prebiotic foods. So this is the gremlin poo and they love, and, and the gremlins love to just sit in their own poop and, uh, and that <laughs> creates that waste is really nourishing for skin and stuff. So I think that what I'm excited by is brands that are not just using one particular ingredient. So just providing probiotics or just providing prebiotics, but providing an entire cocktail of those ingredients together I'm also trying a kefir soap at the moment that I picked up at a natural and organic trade show the other day. Hmm. It's nice. I like it. (laughs) I think the future is definitely going to be about the combination of prebiotics with postbiotics, so the food and the poo, to really give your gremlins a chance to survive. I love that there's such an increase of interest in really taking care of your body and finding those smaller things things that you wouldn't really expect uh, that really impact your health. I was probably a little bit better with it when my kids were younger. And now that I'm getting older, I find that I'm starting to research more and more. Like, do you feel as though like there's definitely a lot more people that are focusing in on that? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think there's a lot of things that have come together at, at the right time to make this possible, but the consumer is so much savvier now. There's much more ingredient knowledge. There's much more experimentation with different brands and different products and different formulas. And all of this is just because in so many ways, the beauty industry has been democratized. 
It used to be owned and controlled by five big houses that produced the same sort of products. And now it's an independence market. Independent brands are coming in day by day by day and offering a totally different vision of beauty from the ones that we've been seeing in the past. So if you were interested in in the concept of aluminium-free deodorant back in the day, you wouldn't have anything available to you. So maybe you would have to DIY it yourself. But now most deodorant brands, including the ones that have existed for years on the market, are coming forward with different types of formulas, some that are baking soda-free, some that have prebiotics and probiotics and postbiotics in them as well. So I think that it's access to knowledge. It's a backlash against traditional healthcare systems that haven't necessarily been supporting us as they should. And the total choice now in what we can buy. And also brand engagement. I think that brands are really coming on board and trying to help us create our own products and to take our health and well-being into our own hands. And that's really exciting. I think that is definitely one of the more exciting things that I'm seeing when it comes to a lot of these trends is that these companies are taking the time to have conversations and find out what really people want. And that is such a huge part of being a part of a community in the long run. And I do have to say one thing that you did say was talking about the knowledge that people are getting about ingredients. I am a big fan of really understanding and doing your research about all the different things. But I have to say, the more I learn, the more I realize ingredient, like picking and choosing what ingredients you're looking at in different products is not the way to go. You want to go towards like understanding the whole conceptualization. Again, those scientists, those chemists, it's really crazy what they're able to do. Definitely. And I think that a lot of the skincare issues that we're seeing um, today have been created by the fact that we're able to cocktail our own skincare ingredients together. So a lot of people are claiming that their skin is sensitive, but the reality is that they're probably not. It's just because they're using actives unwisely with other actives and they're cocktailing this with that and they're layering this type of product with this type of product and they don't know that using retinol means that they should use SPF in the daytime and that certain lactic acids don't like vitamin C and et cetera, et cetera. And and those types of um, issues are coming up a lot and making people react and have skin and, and barriers that are disrupted and need to be healed. And a lot of brands are coming to the table with microbiome supportive products that claim barrier health. And and that was actually a big topic for us last year. We wrote a whole um, big report on the explosion of the concept of barrier health and how this very unsexy topic is again, very sexy now, especially on TikTok. And that's where I think that whole research and really, in my opinion, it is the biggest thing that's in, is understanding when you are using different products, you gotta know like, Order matters, like how you use things matter. (laughs) And when we're cocktailing, we don't know what we're creating. So it's really important to be really proactive in all of that. I love that. I think that there's also a lot of help on its way in terms of microbiome. A few different systems and organizations have come together to create this idea of microbiome certification. So a brand can go through the process and the and the time to get their products certified as microbiome friendly. And that I think is going to be the type of thing that will be stamped on a lot of products coming up in the next sort of 
two to three to four to five years. I'm not going to say regulation, but there has to be a certain standard. And it's yes. nice that that looks like the future of yes. this entire genre Absolutely. of beauty. Yes. I mean, regulation is something that would help lots of different categories. Clean beauty still needs regulation. Um, I think scalp care needs regulation. There's a lot of different beauty categories that are new and exciting, but ultimately we need certification as to what sustainability means. Nobody knows exactly what sustainability means, but if you've got products that can at least have the stamp saying it's microbiome friendly, it means that you as a consumer are picking it up, you're using it, and you know that it's not going to cause you any disruption. And that I think is very important in a market space where you can pick up any products and do whatever you want with them and potentially cause yourself harm. I also think something that is really trending right now is that individualization of what you're getting because what works for one person may not necessarily work for another. You might not need some of the stuff that maybe the next person is using. And, yeah. you know, you don't want to overdo stuff. You want to have that balance in everything. So I love that that's been a conversation that people are having. Yeah. As you say, what can work for one isn't going to work for the other because we all have such diverse and different microbiomes and it depends on your genetics. It depends on where you live. It depends on what you eat, what you do, how you sleep, all of these different types of things. And so, you know, you're never going to get a product that's amazing for one person and then the results are going to be exactly the same for the next. Um, and this is where you just want to focus on the the simple things, the unsexy, boring things like sleep and good diet. And then you can supplement the rest with new and interesting skincare because your skin is going to be balanced and is going to be happy. Um, one of the things that I recently found out is that Japanese women who are going through the menopause don't ever experience the symptoms of them. They never, they never feel the symptoms of menopause that are suffered so widely in the US. And all of the science that's coming out of Asia right now is suggestive that the reason they don't is because they have a lower um, dairy diet, but also that they are ingesting fermented foods every day, soy sauce, edema, maybe in sake, natto, <laughs> all of that type of stuff. And that every day has contributed to a very healthy menopausal process for Asian women. And I think that that's absolutely insane and it's absolutely fascinating. And that opens up the idea of a probiotic or microbiome friendly menopausal beauty and healthcare market in a huge way. Well, I have to thank you for coming on and uh, telling us a little bit about the gremlins. <laughs> I could talk about gremlins all the day long. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm your host, Danielle Frank. What's In With Olaplex is produced in partnership with Olaplex and Frequency Media. Lizzie Stewart is our producer. Emily Krumberger is our associate producer. Ina Garkusha is our supervising producer. And Michelle Quarry is our executive producer. These episodes are recorded by Dante Hodge and mixed by Matthew Ernest Filler and Claire Bidigari Curtis. Development and strategy by Jessica Olivier, Sara Naz Jababayi, and Sarah Adams. 